Welcome to Who Says No, the NBA podcast where we only talk about trades because games don't actually happen. They're just a vehicle for more trades to happen. So we did one podcast about the James Harden trade already. We're doing a second one today because James Harden doesn't get traded very often. And, you know, for all we know, he won't get traded again for like another three months. So we have to take advantage. I am one of your hosts, Sam Quinn from CBS Sports. Joining me as almost always, the man, the myth, the hyphen, Colin Ward-Henninger. Colin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I, I joining me almost always. It's it's kind of sad. It's like a, you know my little son is going off to preschool or something. You're doing podcasts with other people. I'm doing podcasts with other people. I guess there's kind of a, a relationship metaphor in there somewhere, but we can leave that for another day. You're not a Star Wars person. I, I mean, I've seen them. I'm not. I know. I'm not. I don't want to get killed. It's not. I had nothing against them. Not not really my cup of tea. There is a very prominent part of Star Wars lore called the Rule of Two, which basically says the, the Sith, the bad guys, there can only be two of them at a time, Master and an Apprentice. And the idea there is that if you have any more, the infighting would just destroy the entire order. So you only have two, and eventually the Apprentice kills the Master. So my thought here is, let's leave it at only two people, because if we get any more, the infighting and the you know interrupting and all that, that's so terrible, we just can't have that. So we're limiting it to only two people, Sometimes it's me and another person. Sometimes it's you and another person. It will never be three. I think we just both agree. We've both done three-man pods. It doesn't work as well. So we're sticking with the rule of two, like the bad guys in Star Wars. I think that's the right approach. Therefore, that's where the almost comes from. And you're aware that uh, you're you're using a perfect metaphor for the Brooklyn Nets here, where there can only be two. (laughs) You're, You're totally right. I think this has to end with Kyrie Irving, you know, stabbing a lightsaber through James Harden. I think that's the way this is going to go. But we're not actually here to talk about James Harden today. We're here to talk about James Harden's former teammate, the guy who I think we all, A, thought was going to get traded with James Harden, and B, now feel pretty comfortable saying, will get traded now that Harden has been traded, and that's P.J. Tucker, everybody's favorite small ball five. We have a couple of fake trades that we want to get to about Tucker. Colin, do you want to start? Do you have anything you want to say about Tucker before we get in? Like, this is the perfect trade candidate, right? I mean, he's fairly cheap. He's older. He clearly wants to win a ring, and he could fit on almost any team. That's really that's really where I wanted to go. Was just like it's so rare to find these guys where you look at teams and you're just like, you know, salary cap aside, every team could use this guy. Like, you know, he works hard. He fits in. He can play alongside other players. He makes corner threes like it's his job. I mean, it's very rare to find guys like this. And when when one comes up at a at a relatively affordable salary and even on an expiring contract like Tucker is, I mean, it, it's open season. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, which teams are in position to get these guys because uh, you know um, as the year heads towards the playoffs, uh, there's going to be some teams that are lower in the standings than we expected, some that are higher. So uh, that's really going to dictate, I think, who's willing to, to fork over whatever they need to fork over to get a guy like Tucker. So I think the important thing to mention with Tucker, he does fit anywhere, but we're also in a very like buy-heavy market right now just with the play-in and with some of the desperation from ownership to make as much money as possible on the off chance that there will be home playoff games with gate revenue with fans in the building. So I think there are a ton of teams that could be into Tucker, but we should point out he's 35. Frankly, he hasn't looked great this season by his standards. Now that might just be a regular season thing. That might just be a James Harden thing. I would feel pretty comfortable having him as one of my starters in the playoffs. 
But this is not a sure thing just because he's 35, and the value will reflect that, right? Kevin O'Connor reports last night that P.J. Tucker is available, or at least there are teams that are in, that are interested. The value right now is around three second-round picks. That's a very specific amount. I, I don't know how he and his sources are coming to that, but KOC is very reputable. We trust him. So that's around the price we're going to be dealing with. Maybe we'll throw in a first-round pick, maybe a young player. I don't know. But Colin, you have the floor. What is your first trade? Well, my first trade, so first of all, with Tucker, I think, you know, you got to be thinking, you mentioned his age. This isn't a long-term signing. This is like, hey, we, we, we want some extra, you know, veteran leadership, some toughness, some defense for the playoffs. Uh, so we need to go out and get somebody. So uh, my first team is the Toronto Raptors. And I know they're struggling now, but I can't imagine that they're not going to be at least in in the middle of that Eastern Conference playoff race by by the end of the of regular season. So um Toronto obviously lost Marcus Saul and Serge Ibaka. Uh, they could use some sort of center. They've struggled. They've started Aaron Baines. They've started uh, Alex Len. They've started Pascal Siakam at center. It really seems like they're struggling there. And I think P.J. Tucker would really fit in with what they do in terms of, you know, just an incredibly tough, small, quick, switchable defense. So uh, we talked about the value, you know, to, if, to match salary. They could do, you know, Stanley Johnson and Patrick McCaw, something like that. And then, you know, I thought that the Raptors might be willing to give up a future first round pick. They have a lot of them, you know, lottery protected or whatever you want to do uh, to make it work. But now that you mentioned Kevin O'Connor and the three second rounders, um, the Raptors definitely have three second round picks that they could throw uh, with those magic salaries. Well, we still we we went over a few earlier that don't that might not have them. Worth noting here, P.J. Tucker, former Raptor, spent one playoff run with the Raptors before leaving for Houston. I do think they would love to have him. I just think it's a matter of priority, right? Like, I agree with you. I think but when it's all said and done, the Raptors are not going to be 15th in the East. They're going to be somewhere meaningfully higher. I don't know if that's going to be high enough for them to think, oh, we can win a series and maybe really compete for something, especially now that the East is so much tougher. But I do think they'll be higher. I just don't know that they'll be high enough that they would want to be giving up future assets for a 35-year-old, right? Like, the Raptors are not going to go into a full-scale rebuild, but you'd have to imagine just with the way things are looking, with their max cap space coming up this offseason, their priority is 2021, 2022, 2023. That, oh, we are in 2021, so knock that out. 2022, 2023, maybe 2024. I personally just wouldn't be in buy mode for them. If I were the Raptors, I would be thinking – what can we get for Kyle Lowry right now? But that's an entire other podcast. So I like it. I, I think if their goal is purely we want to make the playoffs, it makes sense to me. I see how we could help them. Although Chris Boucher looks so good that. Oh, I would Chris Boucher. Well, uh, Nick Nurse but, has an aversion to starting Chris Boucher. They need to leave him as the uh, come off the bench and get a million stats guy. Well, the argument against that is that that the guy who he used to be refused to start was Pascal Siakam. And then Siakam graduated from his bench role. And, you know, that's how things tend to work in Toronto, right? Like Fred Van Vliet came off the bench until he didn't. You know, you start on the bench in Toronto, you do your Lowry plus bench lineup minutes for two years, and then you become a starter. That's how their system tends to work. But, I mean, yeah, I, P.J. Tucker would work there because P.J. Tucker would work anywhere. It's just sort of low on my list of priorities. So I'm going to throw out – I was about to say a similar team. They're not actually all that similar. They just happened to play in the playoffs once. What about the Milwaukee Bucks? So here's my proposal. Pat Connaughton, DJ Wilson, and second round picks. 
Those second round picks are kind of hard to wrangle because the Bucks have traded several and they forfeited one because of the Bogdan Bogdanovich, can we say scandal situation? <laughs> the, I, I don't the, know. The foible? The Woj tweet. I, I don't know. Whatever it was that happened, they, lo- they lose one. So you're looking at three second round picks that are basically like about all of the second round picks that the Bucks have. But there are two benefits. Not only do you get P.J. Tucker, but you save around a million bucks off of your apron bill. Right now, the Bucks are only around 500000 below the apron. If they were to make a trade like this, get off of that extra million and clear a roster spot, that also makes them – it makes it easier for them to add somebody on the buyout market. And you would figure that Milwaukee is pretty desirable. They could get somebody that could actually help them. But really, when you're adding P.J. Tucker, the real advantage here is that I don't want to close playoff games with Brooke Lopez. That's nothing necessarily against Brooke Lopez as a player. I just don't like putting immobile centers on the floor in the fourth quarter of playoff games, especially when, frankly, Brooke Lopez has been kind of up and down this year. He hasn't looked like his old self. So I would like to close playoff games if I were them with Giannis at center, Tucker, Middleton, DiVincenzo, Drew Holiday. Very straightforward. Everybody can shoot. Everybody can defend. This is one of my favorites on the board. What do you think? What Are you trying to say that Bobby Portis can't close games at center? Is that what you're trying to say? I think Bobby Portis is too good to close games at center. I don't think it would be <laughs> fair. <laughs> I mean, guy. we got it. This is, a, this is a ratings game. Remember what happened the last time the Bucks almost made the finals? Allen Iverson shot a billion free throws and they didn't. So, you know, we got to leave some room for the Nets to make it in here. <laughs> Um, yeah to answer your question seriously yes uh this makes a lot of sense i like it um pat Connison's playing like 18 minutes a game 16 minutes a game well in those minutes and he's playing well so that that would be my my only concern is where do you kind of fill that in are you bringing you know Bryn forbes does uh you know tory craig get some run um i guess how do you fill in those minutes um and then uh, offensively they're playing so well that I don't know if adding a guy like Tucker to that lineup will hurt that offense. You know what I'm trying to say? Well, I get it, but I mean, if you just stick PJ Tucker in the corner, he'll make the he'll make his shots, and that's all they really need from that fifth spot, right? Like the other thing about Milwaukee is they're shooting 41% on threes right now. That's not exactly sustainable, and I mean, Pat Connaughton is not the only one who's shooting above his head, but he's clearly shooting above his head. I think he was at like 45% last I checked. He is oh, now no. shooting 53% from the three-point yeah. line. Holy crazy. Pat Connaughton is not going to shoot 53% forever. So I wouldn't mind cashing in on him now because obviously his shot in general has been pretty inconsistent. The Rockets might look at him and say like, okay, that's a nice like shortish, longish term rotation player. Someone we could keep for three, four years. I mean, I, if I were them, that's better than just dead salary, right? And on the Bucks side, if you're opening up a roster spot and saving a little bit of cash, maybe you can fill that spot on the buyout market. Maybe there's another Marvin Williams coming. Yeah, and if you're looking at, you know, from a, from the Rockets' perspective, uh, you mentioned Connaughton. I'm, I'm getting kind of excited thinking about Connaughton and the Rockets. I just saw, you know, Jay Sean Tate and uh, Sterling Brown and uh, reunited with Sterling Brown. But the, all these guys kind of, you know, nondescript wings, like, playing really well with the Rockets. So I'm getting excited about Connaughton. Obviously, he's not going to shoot – 50% from three. He's actually probably not as good of a three-point shooter as some people think, um, but he's very athletic. Um, you know, he, he seems like the type of guy who would thrive in that system. be the first person ever on the face of the basketball playing earth to remind you that Pat Connaughton played three sports in high school. 
Did you know that, Colin? Did you know that he got drafted into the major leagues with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball? Totally new information to me because I've never watched the ESPN broadcast. Um, and he, and he uh, had the highest vertical jump at the combine. And somebody asked him afterwards, uh, you know, um, you had a surprisingly high vertical jump. And he said, why, why is it surprising? And the person had nothing to say. Apropos of nothing, I mean, we know why it's quote unquote surprising. <laughs> I, I was talking to I talked to Jared Dudley in the locker room um, when the Lakers visited New York last year. And I was talking about Caruso. And just I asked him about Caruso's dunking and like the reaction when they first saw him dunk in practice like that. And he said, like, number one, everybody just like their jaws dropped. They were it was so crazy to them. But number two, his closing line to me, he just pats me on the shoulder and he goes, turns out white boys can jump. And he walks away. That's it. Drop the mic. What a, that was literally what it was, because I don't you've I'm sure you've experienced the Jared Dudley experience in locker rooms. There's always just, it's like the Godfather. There's always a line in his locker because everybody wants to talk to him. I was last. He had to get out and shoot. So he just, he says, yeah, walk with me. So we're just standing in the locker room. He says that line, pats me on the shoulder and just walks away. Dudley, Dudley the goat. Jared Dudley's the man. It, there's going to be a, a bidding war to get his services on the, as a commentator and wherever he ends up. To get us back on track, he's a pretty similar player to PJ Tucker. Uh, kind of. They both fours uh, that can shoot. Like there's a little bit there. Um, I guess so. I, I see you. I see you working. Uh, but yeah, this trade, I like it. I, I I think this would be a great ad for the Bucks, honestly. And when you think about you know what the Brooklyn Nets have just done, having another versatile defender, a rebounder, um, someone who can at least attempt to guard Kevin Garnett, guard <laughs> Kevin Durant. You could guard Kevin Garnett too. Um, well, you could guard anybody. Yeah, I think it's a. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for them. I guess it's just a question of what other offers the Rockets are getting. I'm glad you asked because that's a nice segue into another team that I like, New Orleans Pelicans. So here's, here's my theory. A little, off, a little off the radar here. So the offer itself, it's kind of it's weird to construct just because New Orleans has a lot of these salaries in the three to five million range that they don't like maybe want to give up. Maybe they don't. Nicola Melli, I think they're totally happy to dump. After that, like maybe it's Josh Hart and there's no value attached, you know, like there are a couple of different options, ways to construct it here. But the core principle here is this. The Pelicans are really good when Steven Adams is in the game and they're really bad when he's not. Right now, they're plus 6.5 with Adam on the floor and minus 11.4 when he's off. Guess what their net rating with Jackson Hayes on the floor is? Net rating with Jackson Hayes on the floor. Yes. Negative... You're on the right track. Okay, you're not even close. It's negative <laughs> 13.8. Oh, goodness. So, yeah, I, I think they could they could probably use another – I don't I don't want to say another center, but another center option. I mean, David Griffin has always been fixated on his centers, and he likes to play traditional ones. But I think if they're going to make a real playoff run, I would love it if they had the option to put P.J. Tucker at center, which is also – Sort of a test run for the Zion at center thing that we all assume is going to come. And if the Pelicans want Zion to be able to play small ball center, could you ask for a better mentor in that regard than P.J. Tucker? Right? Like, this sort of fits the methodology that the Pelicans have operated under, right? Like, they are not a pure rebuilding team. They have added veterans. They have Eric Bledsoe. They have Steven Adams. I think P.J. Tucker really fits in that mold because he's fairly cheap. And you could get him without giving up your draft capital. So... You add him as, A, a helpful player in your rotation, B, a mentor for Zion, 
and maybe you make it into the playoffs this year and he helps you win a game or two against a really good team. I don't know, but I, I just I really like that fit. Are, are we still doing the three second round picks or is this changed now because it's the well, Pelicans? The Pelicans can give up whatever they want. And I think David Griffin, we saw this with the Steven Adams trade, is not like tight fisted with his assets. He's willing to give stuff up for guys he likes. I think if it took a first round pick to do this, he would do it. Yeah, that would be, I mean, you mentioned what my main, my first thought was when you mentioned this was that I thought that Zion at center in that second unit was supposed to be this kind of like, you know, ace in the hole, like unstoppable type of thing. Um, so if you bring Tucker in as, as your center, then he's kind of sharing the floor with Zion, I guess, in that second unit. Is that the idea? Or Zion is more tied to Adams than he normally is? No, I would say the idea here is you play PJ with Zion so you can kind of give it's like playing Zion as a 4.5, right? Like you have two small ballish centers that you're putting in the game. I think it would be a good chance for Zion to start to do more center stuff, but you know, not necessarily have to because he has another center in the game who can shoot. And by the way, they need some spacing. Even with Adams and Zion on the floor, they're only scoring 109.4 points per 100 possessions, which is fine average. I think you'd want to have more of a shooting option. But really, I'm thinking about this as sort of a mentorship thing for Zion. I mean, who better to teach him how to play small ball center than P.J. Tucker? But if you're getting him as a mentor, are you do willing to give up assets for him? Like, is that worth it for a team that's Well, that's he has to not, win, you know, too, and they yeah. clearly want to make the playoffs, right? You don't do the Stephen Adams trade if you don't want to make the playoffs. And they, right now, like, they look like a playoff team. I, I would say pretty comfortably they're in that 7 to 10 range at least, and would you want to be in a playing game against Zion? I know I wouldn't. I have some stats for you because I, oh. I was very curious about the whole Zion without Adams thing. Zion and Adams together, offensive rating 109.4, defensive rating 104.2, net rating 5.1. Which is good. That's like a decent playoff team. Good. Zion without Zion on the court, Adams off the court. This is 101 minutes. It's not not a small sample size. I mean, it's small, but relative to what the season is. Offensive rating, 99.1. Defensive rating, 117.6 minus 18.5 net rating. That's 101 minutes. It is very bad, and I think P.J. Tucker could help. Some of that is Jackson Hayes. Some of that is Nicola Melli being really bad. And, like, Nicola Melli right now is their, like, stretch big option. I just don't think he's a very good player. So PJ Tucker isn't very is an upgrade on that. Like we we saw this with Atlanta a little bit early in the season when Atlanta started four and one. I don't think it's because Danilo Gallinari and Bogdan Bogdanovich are the best players in the NBA. I think they were giving minutes to such bad players last year that even getting up to average amounted to a huge upgrade. It would sort of be the same there, right? Like if PJ Tucker gets the Melly and Hayes minutes, then all of a sudden like the upgrade is so considerable that. Maybe you go from negative 18 in those minutes to neutral. It's a good point. My only concern with the Pelicans is that I don't see them being a contender this year. And P.J. Tucker seems like a like a contender move. You know, um, would you look at him as someone who they might resign and kind of keep him around to, to keep that mentor role with Zion? It sounds like I he see- wants to get paid, though, is the problem. Well, the Pelicans are in a pretty flexible financial position, just considering Zion's on a rookie deal and. I mean, do they seem super enthused about re-signing Lonzo Ball to you? Because they don't to me. No, I don't think so. Especially with the emergence of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, another hyphen, baby. 
He's turning into our new Stepien role where he's getting mentioned in every episode. Every but single podcast until next game when he's terrible. <laughs> I, I do think there's a reasonable chance that they either, I don't want to say trade Zion, or not trade Zion, I'm trading Whoa, Lonzo whoa, breaking or news. Or let him walk. I, I just, I don't think they view Lonzo as a core part of their future. So I think they have the financial flexibility to just say, sure, if we want to keep PJ Tucker for two more years, we can. You're right, though. I do think he would prefer to play for a championship contender. You had another one that I really like. I just think culturally this would be so fun to watch. So what's your second team? Yeah, the other team I had was was the, uh, you know, culture heroes, the Miami Heat. The and literal heroes. If you just uh, if you look at P.J. Tucker and, and think, hey, what team does this guy belong on? It's the Miami Heat. I mean, overachiever, hard worker, doesn't take any you know what, you know, all that stuff. Um, the issue I had was, you know, if the cost is some picks, Miami is having a, a little bit of an issue there. They don't have a lot of picks that they can give unless they want to, you know, cough up a first rounder, which seems uh, maybe a bit much. Um, I, then you could trade him straight up pretty much for Myers Leonard, but I don't know if the Rockets would be interested in something like that. And you can't trade Leonard until the end of February, but they probably wouldn't be making this move until then anyway. But all that aside, P.J. Tucker on the Miami Heat makes them a, a pretty scary team in terms of basketball IQ, defense, and and like you mentioned, the corner three-point shooting. What do you think about Tucker to the Heat? Watch me kill two birds with one stone. I Here's love the it. trade you're going to make. You don't have to give up a pick. What you're doing is Mo Harkless because that he's replacing P.J. Tucker essentially, right? Like that's the role, the minutes that he's going to fill. And Kendrick Nunn, who is, I'd, I'd say right now, maybe their fifth guard. Their fifth most important guard. He expires at the end of the season anyway. I don't think they were going to re-sign him considering their cap space aspirations. I think the Rockets would love to have a look at Kendrick Nunn. So that's the trade I would make. And you're right, the fit would be awesome. I mean, imagine the IQ of lineups with Tucker, Jimmy Butler, and Andre Iguodala. Like, those guys were made for each other, man. And just the culture fit. I, I don't know how Jimmy Butler and P.J. Tucker haven't been on the same team yet. They would love each other. In fact, I'd be a little afraid for Goran Dragic because it might just rob him of his best friend. Like that might be the outcome here where Tucker and Butler bond so much that Dragic is pushed out. But I, I love that fit. It's very, very simple. The Heat love guys like that. He's so tough. He would fit in so well there. And something we saw last year, which might not be as much of a problem now because Precious Achua looks really good, is the minutes without Bam were very tough for them in the playoffs, even before the rash of injuries. Right. Like in the Boston series, they were playing Andre Iguodala at center. I don't think that's something they would like to do again. So Tucker would help in that regard as well. So if they could get this done and it's obviously tough with the picks, unless they're willing to give up someone like none, I would love it. It would probably be my favorite one on the board. Yeah, I think, you know, I always uh, this is how far none has fallen. I kind of glanced past his name when I was looking at him, just kind of like, yeah. But uh, I mean, if you're. If you're the Rockets and you are entering, you know, assuming they enter a rebuild here and don't try to compete with a mediocre team, none isn't a terrible guy to give some minutes to. You know, he it seems like he's lost his confidence a little bit. And obviously um, that team is is loaded enough that that he's not going to play very much, even if he's playing well. So um, I, I, I see you could convince yourself um, that none is, is a player worth taking a look at. But I also think that if there's a, a, you know, three second rounders or even a, a protected first rounder available, I would obviously go for that over Kendrick Nunn. Well, right. It becomes a matter of preference. And kind of what we saw in the Harden trade is that Houston has very weird preferences, right? Like none of us expected them to choose Victor Oladipo over Karis LeVert. 
none of us expected them to flip Jared Allen for what will probably be like the 29th pick. So who knows? It might just be one of those things where somebody in the Houston front office really likes Kendrick Nunn or really likes Pat Connaughton or really likes younger guy X on whatever contending team. Like Boston has a million young guys. Maybe they really like Grant Williams and they say, hey, Celtic, we'll give you P.J. Tucker for Grant Williams or something. Like it could be any number of those things. I don't think the pick return would be that great. What I honestly think would happen if P.J. Tucker is traded is that it's something like the Andre Iguodala trade last year where Memphis probably could have gotten a first-round pick from somebody, but instead they looked at Justice Winslow and they said, this is not the sort of guy we could expect to get with that pick, so let's take a shot on him. We really yeah. like him. That's what I would guess would happen. I don't think Kendrick Nunn is as good as Justice Winslow, but I understand what No, you're I agree. But the, the, and by the way, both two, Miami guys. And two points you need to think about. One is, as you mentioned, maybe they won't get that offer for those picks. You know, You never know what's going to be out there. And two, uh, there is some chance that they might want to do right by P.J. Tucker just because, I mean, we kind of know the saga of him wanting an extension and them not giving it to him and him kind of feeling underappreciated for all his years and all the work he's been doing in Houston. So if he said, look, guys, I really want to go to Miami and they're like, we'll give you Kendrick Nunn, maybe that helps grease the wheels a little bit and say, all right, we'll, we'll do you this solid and send you where you want to go. Well, the flip side to that is that we mentioned this with Toronto, too. Both Miami and Toronto are like near max cap space teams. I don't think either one of them would want to give up on the possibility of, say, Victor Oladipo or whatever high-priced free agent that they're interested in for the sake of re-signing Tucker. So if an extension is absolutely mandatory here, those teams might be out. And it might have to be a younger team with a bit more flexibility like New Orleans, or it might have to be a team that's so capped out as is that, sure, throwing another big contract on the books wouldn't hurt like Milwaukee. Or it might even have to be somebody like Boston that's in this weird nebulous, we're going to pay the tax eventually, but we're not quite there yet situation. So it's weird. We know that there are like 20 teams that could really use PJ Tucker, but there isn't a really easy, obvious fit because the obvious fit was Brooklyn. If Brooklyn was going to get PJ Tucker though, it would have happened in the Harden trade. Now that it hasn't and Brooklyn has nothing to trade, I think we can say pretty safely that PJ Tucker isn't going to go there and he's going to have to go somewhere that's maybe not as simple a fit but he can fit anywhere. So it's fine. Yeah. I like Boston a lot too. I think that makes a lot of sense, but yeah, it's going to be, he's definitely one of those guys we're going to have our eye on. And I think we mentioned him um, in the beginning of the season as our players most likely to be traded because he's just, there's no reason for him to be on the Rockets on an expiring contract right now. And they're probably going to try to cash him in, uh, especially now that Harden's gone. It would have to be a situation like Oklahoma city last year where they surprisingly turn out to be decent with Oladipo and Christian Wood and John Wall. Or Oklahoma City this year. About that, or I get Oklahoma City any year because they can't <laughs> tank. Um, but yeah, I, I do think Houston, I could see them talking themselves into, oh, let's go for the sixth seed. Like, let's try to make the playoffs with this roster. I don't see it, but they traded for Victor Oladipo, so they might. But yeah, you're right. There's no reason for him to be on this team. I think everybody listening to this podcast wants P.J. Tucker to get traded at some point because the playoffs are so much more fun when P.J. Tucker is randomly having those games where, like, he's, I don't want to say shutting down the other team's best player, but, like, you know, the best rim protector on the floor and hitting four threes and coming up with rebounds that you just don't humanly know how he possibly found. That's the best outcome for the season. So hopefully we can find P.J. Tucker a trade. I think just watching him is so much fun on the defensive end. And it's not, you know, maybe casual fans like Shaquille O'Neal 
uh, don't like to watch defense. But the way that P.J. Tucker attacks his different defensive assignments, whether it's, you know, getting up under Kevin Durant or the way that he, you know, shades Steph Curry or whatever it is, um, he, he's a really interesting, unique player uh, to watch because of his size and strength and his ability to guard so many positions. So I agree with you. The, the playoffs are going to be much, much better with Tucker. And honestly, I, I can't see him getting to the end of the season without being traded. I think when you're insulting Hall of Famers by calling them casuals, I think that's probably time to close. Now, I know Christian Wood did, but Colin, I'm sorry, you're just not as qualified as Christian Wood. Christian Wood not so, have the same initials, so technically, you know. Oh, wow. Does he have an H? Is that like his middle initial? We don't worry about the H. Just Colin no. Ward, Ward Henning. It's all You both all start with thing. the CW, so. CW. Oh, the CW, yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Anyway. Welcome. That, that'll do it for us today. I would hope that this is one of the few podcasts that we do that leads to an actual trade. Not that we can influence that, but we've talked about players on this show that will never get traded. PJ Tucker, I think there's a reasonable chance. So Colin, pleasure as always, and we will be back next week.